Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so excited to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutters, our barista, and this morning, Liz Christie from the Office of Evangelization for the Diocese, and Dr. Perry Cajal from the Josephinum will chat with Amanda, Cam, and me about cultivating hope in a fallen world. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. You start us with a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day, for sustaining us, for calling us to yourself, for loving us. Lord, we ask that in whatever situations today brings that we would just trust in you, that despite whatever is going on in our lives, that you would give us the grace of hope Lord, we ask to rejoice in all things that knowing that all things come from your hand and either they are molding us or or drawing us closer to you or teaching us something. Lord, we trust in you. And we offer everyone who has asked for our prayers, all of our own intentions through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Crazy start to the day, huh? It was the best. (laughs) Okay, I don't know how much you realize how much I actually love thunderstorms and lightning storms, particularly the lightning. It's just so exciting to me. (laughs) So what did I do this morning when I heard the alarms going off? Of course, I jumped out of bed and went outside. (laughs) And it was just great. It was great. It, I caught it right before it was rolling in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went outside and everything was so still and so warm. And then suddenly kind of start to see the flashing in the distance. And yeah, just waiting for it to roll in. Though I do realize it, it, was, it was really quite a storm. So I pray for all those who maybe were affected by it. So Yeah, I heard on um, uh, on the radio on the way in that there was some damage in the area and a number of, of a few schools are delayed this morning and mm-hmm. kind of getting an assessment of what damage i guess two tornadoes were actually spotted mm-hmm. on radar uh mm-hmm. to the west of the city but yeah just uh i i'm pretty sure if more than a few people woke up early this morning when oh, yeah. the uh when the sirens went off um our cats were just going nuts um insane as only a cat can go wow okay insane so it was just uh carol's in chicago so just uh abby and i at home so checked on her and yep she woke up extra early this morning so Mm -hmm. that reminds me amanda of some of my favorite memories with my dad were sitting on our porch swing we had a covered porch and the swing faced the direction that most of the storms would come and anytime there was a lightning storm, thunderstorm, we would go out and sit on that porch swing and just watch the storm come in and, and drink like a root beer. And <laughs> and it was always just like a really peaceful moment, even though you're standing staring at this like really awesome, powerful kind of thing. Um, just this peaceful moment with my dad. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think there's something spiritual about it, but I'll, I'll have to meditate on that. 
<laughs> our basement wasn't finished growing up. So when we had severe storms and, you know, tor- tornado warnings, it was grab the, uh, you know, the old style uh, lawn chairs, you know, with the, like the little, you know, plastic straps and open those up in a, in the basement. In the basement. Why? Oh, just, you go to the basement. Just when, for somewhere to sit? Well, to yeah, when there's a tornado warning, you, you go to the basement. Yes. <laughs> I'm just wondering where the chairs came in. Because <laughs> that's where well, you yeah, store I wonder, them, you I suppose. You got to sit on the cement floor? <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> Perry? No, I, I just have very fond memories. I grew up in the uh, a rural area. We had a porch swing on our front porch that spanned the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would actually go outside during a thunderstorm and sit on that porch swing. It was You too, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just watch it come in. It was great. Yeah. I worked uh, on a golf course for a while and we'd be out watering the greens, you know, in the in the evenings and stuff, driving around in golf carts and when the um not full blown tornadoes, you know, but when the uh the funnels kind of come mm-hmm. down and then go back up throughout the summer i don't know how many people really realize in in central ohio that's not that rare you know on yeah. on in summer summer evenings or summer days they yeah pop up and down and just kind of hmm. i always found it fascinating you know so. being from california everyone says aren't you terrified of earthquakes and i've never been in that bad of an earthquake but i think they're kind of exciting uh, I think <laughs> tornadoes are terrifying. Yeah. I, how in the world people live in places where tornadoes are regular occurrence? I don't know. Welcome to Ohio. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, obviously, we don't mean to make light of it. The, the devastation, the loss right. of life. I mean, they are terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure there were several young children waking up this morning mm-hmm. also very scared. So, yeah. So we pray for everybody this morning gospel this morning wednesday of the second week in the season of lent from matthew chapter 20 verses 17 to 28 as jesus was going up to jerusalem he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised up on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, what do you wish? She answered him, command that these two sons of mine sit one at your right and the other, excuse me, and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I'm going to drink? They said to him, we can. My chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, 
you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sons of Thunder <laughs> and their Ema. Yeah. <laughs> what stands out? Um, a couple things, but maybe in particular, can you drink the chalice that I'm going to drink? My chalice you will indeed drink. And that sounds sounds like a promise there, you know. I and I guess theologically I, I don't know if it was only for them. Mm-hmm. But but if I was to put myself in the scriptures here and hear Christ speak that to me, um it seems like he's saying to me, Indeed there will be sacrifices, indeed there will be trials, indeed if you unite yourself to me, you will drink of my chalice. Um, and I think it's so fitting, actually, for the conversation that we're going to be having today, this idea of hope amidst a fallen world. You know, there there will be trials, there will be tribulations, and yet um, amidst the drinking of the chalice, we know the end result is that he rises at the end. Mm-hmm. And so amidst whatever's going on in life, I can, I can trust that there will be trials, uh, but that there is always hope. Dr. Perry Cahal. I agree with everything Amanda just said. I mean, I think this is what, what Jesus says in response to the request of James and John's mother, which is very bold. You know, Hey, treat my boys right. Um, <laughs> Which, what he says is also pertains to every Christian throughout time. You know, you will drink of my child. If, you know, what does he d- demand in other places? If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. So you can't go through life with, with avoiding the cross. It's just going to come. You don't have to seek it out. He's not telling us to be <laughs> sadomasochists, right? Like, mm-hmm. But it's it's going to happen. If we follow Jesus in a fallen world, we will experience strife. We will experience turmoil. Um, we will drink in some small way, right, at least, from his chalice. And that's to be expected. But that's not bad news. You know, I think the temptation as a, as a Christian is to think, well, what kind of joy is that? You know, it's, this is the same Jesus in another passage of the gospel says, well, I've come to bring you life so that you can have it abundantly you know, and joy. And well, how does that bring joy? It's even in the midst of suffering, of trials, there is this deep sense of all is right with my soul. Hmm. And that's a definition of joy that a, a, a teacher of mine gave me at one point, which I will always remember, because I was questioning like, well, you know, is this, what is joy? Like, is it's not a feeling. like. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that St. Paul talks about. What is it? Like, how do we describe it? And she said, joy is this deep sense. It's not a feeling. 
but this deep sense that all is right with my soul. Mm. And all is right with my soul because I'm living in union with the Lord, regardless of what chalice I'm asked to drink from and what cross comes my way. And that's great news. Mm. It's a joy beyond what the world can give. I like that. How about for you, Dave? The very last line, um, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's, there's the hope there, right? Uh, when, when Jesus says the, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is near, he's very near, uh, was, is, and ever shall be. And it kind of gets to um, the already but not yet. You know, we're already, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is at hand. We're living in that promise of joy, right? I mean, all, all of Christ's promises are, are right here for us to, to find that joy in, while we're here in a fallen world and just not to look past that reality to what will come. And eternity it, begins now. Exactly. And, yeah. and and that was in you know, a young Dave theological understanding, it was always heaven, eternity is in the in the future. You know, something that will happen. Um, you know, when we die we'll go to heaven. And yeah, but what's happening right now? here in this world in this fallen world and where do we find our peace and joy Mm. and there's a springboard folks right into our conversation (laughs) today um we'll get liz christie liz is from home so we'll get her on the phone and continue this conversation with uh, dr perry cahal and liz christie from the office of evangelization for the diocese of columbus stay with us My Jesus, before you ascended into heaven, you prayed that we would all be one, as you and your Father are one. But today, Lord, we seem more divided than ever. We are divided over political beliefs, gender, religion, ethnicity, color, and economic status. It is a division that cuts deeply, even through our closest relationships. You have warned us, Lord, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Help me to remember that you are the cornerstone of this house, that your precepts, not ours, are the path to everlasting joy. Empower me with your grace to be an agent of healing and a proclaimer of truth and hope to this troubled world, one heart at a time. Armed with your sacred word, the sacraments, and the wisdom of the saints, you have given me everything I need to make a difference. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. 
This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of sincerity is seen in St. Vincent Ferrer. He lived sincerity heroically by expressing genuine concern for others with great zeal. Vincent was a Dominican friar who loved people so much that he was not afraid to preach boldly about the reality of evil and sin. People saw the truth of Vincent's words and deeds and knew he cared for their souls. His sincerity led many to conversion and a life of holiness. Let us ask St. Vincent Ferrer to pray for us, that we too may grow in sincerity. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Kronk, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. One of the gifts of the Church is the privilege of praying in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Adoration is a way to grow closer to Jesus and to develop a healthy spiritual life. I have been adoring our Lord since the tragedy of 9-11, when a friend invited me to adoration to pray for those who were called home. I was in awe of God's majesty as I sat in His presence to pray and to listen and to be consoled. While a holy hour can be a time of tranquil prayer, it can also be a time of struggle and distraction. I've experienced both over the years, and you probably have too. Yet we know that God will work in us and make our crooked lines straight. St. Padre Pio said, A thousand years of enjoying human glory is not worth even an hour spent sweetly communing with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. May we rest with Jesus in adoration often. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we're joined this morning by Liz Christie from the Office of Evangelization for the Diocese and Dr. Perry Cajal from the Josephinum. We're talking about cultivating and finding hope in a fallen world. We just had a a really nice, um, well, good morning, Liz. You weren't with us for this first segment. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, morning, Liz. Thanks for being with us. Yes. Um, What a a nice springboard from uh, today's gospel reading and... Amanda, you were talking about uh, drinking from the chalice, and um, that gave you some new insights, Perry. Yeah, the reason I paused when you asked me what I thought is when Amanda was speaking, I never had really thought about that before, I, that drinking from the chalice, clearly in that context, it applies to James and John. You know, Jesus is promising them, promising them you will die, mm-hmm. you know, and you will die similar death to what I will, but... I do think it's there's a way in which that that applies to all of us. You know, we all will drink from the chalice if we're faithful to our Lord. We will all drink from His chalice to a degree. We may not be martyred, mm-hmm. you know, like James and John were, or, or we might be. Who knows? But there is a chalice that we all from which we all have to drink if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And, and right there is the reality, right, of uh, living in a fallen world. Correct. So, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Right. And uh, Liz, what uh, came to me is uh, praying through this ho- hope in a fallen world. I, I go right back to Father John Ricardo and uh, the Rescue Project and how uh, they articulate the uh, kerygma in created, captured, rescued, and then response really and now it's going on two years since uh, the rescue project was in columbus but friends it's, it's so good to pray um through each of those 
um, aspects of salvation history, created, captured, rescued, response. And you, you, you can't skip ahead in the story, right, Liz? You, you can't go right to rescued without first understanding that reality that we're coming out of captivity. Yeah, I mean, you can, but you, you miss building the foundation, and then um, it doesn't really help people grow in a way that they have a solid foundation for their faith. You know, they'll hear rescued, and it's like, okay, great, yeah, I want to be rescued, but then it's like the seeds falling on, you know, the ground that's not quite ready. Um, so, it, you know, it's always good to hear the message, no matter how it's presented, but when it's presented in that order and in that logical way, we're building a foundation with it. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna grow deeper. It's gonna be more fruitful, really, in the long run. So, yeah. So they, yeah, the rescue project does a great job at just really instilling hope. You know, a couple of the episodes, it's like, here's the bad news, and then the one after that says, okay, now it gets worse. And whenever um, we've run it with a group of people, we always provide a little extra commentary with those two episodes, like, hey, hang on. He's going to get to the good news. There is good news. We don't we don't live in the bad news. Um, you know, this the world we're in right now. We're in this in between. But Jesus already won the battle. We have been rescued, and we get to respond to that. So, um, yeah, it's a great it's a great way to really look at the story of our salvation history and what Jesus really did for us, and and the hope that's in that. So we we don't have to get just you know, beaten down by all the bad news of the world. Like, yes, we're in a broken, fallen world, but this is not our eternal destination. There is something wonderful that has been prepared for us. So we we can take a lot of hope in that. You know, Liz, as you were speaking, it made me think, well, why why do we have to focus on the negative first? Why do we have to set up the situation first? And mm-hmm. And then it made me think, well, Actually, we might be able to have greater hope when we when we really look at the situation and then recognize the end result. What what has that been like for you as you've kind of maybe gone through? I haven't had the opportunity yet to go through the rescue project, but why mm-hmm. why would we start with let's start at the beginning of this fallen world? Yeah. Well, actually, the, the beginning is created and in, yeah. in, in, okay. in the perfect world. You know the. The way we that were God good intended. For a couple chapters, yep. right? Yeah, you know. good point. <laughs> Very briefly, we were good. <laughs> go, go ahead, Liz. Yeah, no, um, but yeah, no, we do have to start at the beginning, um, and we do have to know those things. But Amanda, I think um, to your point, if we don't understand the fall, if we don't understand, you know, all that goes along with that, like you know, sin and death enter the world at that point. That's why. We have suffering. That's why bad does exist. So you really do have to understand that. Otherwise, suffering makes no sense. And to suffer without hope, I can't imagine anything more painful. You know, as I just in my own life, different things, you know, as I've suffered and walked through or or watched other people suffer, when you watch somebody suffering with hope in Christ our Savior, there's a different perspective and a different ability to deal with the suffering versus if you're just suffering alone outside of faith, outside of an understanding of Christ and and what he's done for us. It's a much harder way to suffer. So, you know, you can can suffer well, you can suffer with 
joy and hope and still have that be present. You can feel pain and also feel joy and hope at the same time. Um, and that's only because of Christ and, and what he's done for us. So I think it's, I think it's critically important that, that people know and understand that message so that, because we're all going to suffer and we do suffer, you know, every day in little ways, but, um, but also in big ways throughout our life. So it's, it's only with the hope in Christ that, that, that makes sense at all. Perry? So our topic is fostering hope in a fallen world, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the first things as Christians that we need to realize is what hope is not. Mm. Because we tend to think of hope in our everyday language as just some type of, I don't know. um, I hope this election goes well. Wishfulness, right? Mm. Right. It's this kind of wishfulness, I guess, it would be the... That's not what we mean by hope as Christians. You know, and our hope isn't naive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Pollyannish, like everything's going to get better and, oh, you know, tomorrow's another day and, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not the type of hope we're talking about. When we're talking about fostering hope as Christians, we're talking about a gift, a theological virtue. It's a gift from God. It's infused at the point of our baptism. Mm-hmm. And we can pray for the increase of it, you know, in our souls. So I asked Cam to pull a catechism off the shelf for me, and I quickly looked up the definition of hope in the catechism. This is paragraph 1817. It says, Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So a theological virtue, meaning it's, object is God, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a virtue that we can engender in ourselves or practice or get better at. It's a gift. And by which we desire the kingdom of, of heaven and eternal life. So we have this deep desire that for that, and we have a deep confidence and a trust that we can get there because of the grace of Christ, not because of ourselves. Right? And that's a, fa- that's a hope that cannot be shaken. Because Christ has conquered the world. And when we feel ourselves getting despondent, worse yet despairing, you know, in a world that seem that is wounded by sin and when walls seem to close around, then we pray for an increase in that virtue. And that's the one thing God, you know, you want prayers that God will always answer the way you want them to be answered, ask for an increase in virtue. Right? And the and he will respond so it's not um yeah i think that's what we have to as christians understand what it's not and then what it is because there is if you have this false understanding the worldly understanding of hope of wishfulness or this hope that oh well things will eventually get better i you're i think you're destined for disappointment Mm. because in fact we're not promised that things will get better in an earthly sense Mm -hmm. you know that um, in fact, they may get worse. I, people listening are probably like, man, you're the ball <laughs> of sunshine today. But, but it's true. But, but in all seriousness, yeah. you know, the, it's the, um, I flipped to another patch, passage of the Catechism which talks about the coming of Christ at the end of time, and it says, this is 675 in the Catechism, it says, before Christ's second coming, the church must pass, pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. 
the, pers- the persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, we're, we're told that <clears throat> things will, in fact, not get better. Right. Bef- before, get and better. I'm not saying we're in those final days. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want people to get me wrong and imply something I'm, <laughs> or infer something I'm not implying. But we know that as things move along, they, in fact, will not look better. Right. The church may get smaller. But Christ wins, and the hope that we have is not in how things will look on, on here, mm-hmm. but that regardless of how they look, we have Jesus, and that's all we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I had a couple of these types of conversations around COVID. You know, I would maybe be talking to a family member or a friend, and they were just expressing just what they were going through, the, either the the sorrow or what is going on in the world or why is maybe my my church handling it in this way and I maybe I feel abandoned and not able to to get to Christ at my church and just all the things that everyone was dealing with right it, and uh, and I remember some of those conversations being turned towards yes but but we know we not that I was telling them in the moment, like, oh, we know this is the end. No, but just like, we know that there's going to be trial. We know that things get worse. And yet Christ says the gates of hell will not prevail, right? And so we could always have a hope in whatever the Lord calls us to, a hope in that he will always guide and steer us, a hope in that um, if we follow him, that that we can indeed hold on to hope yes. despite everything that is going on in the world around us. And he explicitly says, fear not, I have conquered the world. Mm. Some, some Bible translations translate that verse, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Mm-hmm. I've conquered the world. <laughs> Isn't that so funny to think, be of good cheer, despite everything that's going yeah. on? <laughs> yep. Well, and that's, so many of us have an inclination, as you, as you were saying, Perry, that, and we're speaking with uh, Dr. Perry Cahal and uh, Liz Christie, there's such a in- wishfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll bury our heads in the sand, or we'll take a media timeout, or, um, or whatever, that this time will pass, and things will get better. COVID will end, mm. and things will be better. And there's always going to be another example or another manifestation of, of the fallen world mm-hmm. reminded in um, Romans uh, 12 two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect that that transformation of the mind through the grace of God brings a biblical, a God-graced worldview that we're meant to cultivate. And, and that's where we, we prayed into the topic, cultivating hope in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. So we play a, fac- a, a factor, a, a, an important role, an active role, in, in cultivating this hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I like what you said about, you know, it's not burying our heads in the sand. Like we can't do that as Christians. That, and you use the word realism. Mm-hmm. That, that 
Christian hope is, it's realistic. It's not being naive. It's not burying your head in the sand. It's having a sober view of reality. And a sober view of reality means, yes, this world is wounded by sin. I mean, it, and, and when, you know, when love became incarnate in the, in the sinful world, the sinful world sneak, sought to snuff him out. Mm. And, and then what does Jesus do? He founds the church to carry on his mission and says, if, if, you know, if they've persecuted me, they will persecute you. But yet he says, in the, you know, be, be joyful. For your reward is in heaven, right? Blessed are you when they persecute you, when they speak ill about you. So it's, Christian hope is realistic. It's not just, you're walking out into into an environment where you realize things are not all okay and you shouldn't act like they're okay. But we're called to preach the truth and the goodness of Christ because everybody deserves it. Mm -hmm. Actually, Dave, when you were sharing that, like you were just reiterating, Perry, the the sober view of reality and this idea of cultivating joy, it made me think, Perry, when you had first shared that joy is not a feeling, but a sense that all is right. And uh, I think that really leads me to think this is where maybe the cultivating can come into play, the the cultivating of joy in the sense of, okay, maybe maybe things don't seem right, but all will be right because I can cultivate a hope in in our Lord and his promises, a cult and, and remembering his promises so as to cultivate that. Liz, where are your thoughts going? Yeah, I'm just, as we're kind of talking about this, I, I keep going back to, and I've been doing this for the last week and a half. I don't know um, if you all listened at the women's conference to the talk by Father John Burns um, that he gave, but it just was incredible. He, he talked about um, at one point, in Jewish history, the betrothal uh, between a man and a woman and the two cups and that, you know, there's one at the betrothal celebration and one at the wedding celebration. And um, he just reminded us that we are all the bridegroom, or we are all the bride of the bridegroom and that we are betrothed to our great bridegroom and he's preparing a place for us. And he just um just like just a reminder of like our role in that like we do have this ultimate hope in Christ and what he has promised us and what he's giving us and i just i just keep going back to it and just you know having conversations with people about it and what did you think about that and um yeah it it just was a I don't know. Just the way he said it was just a reminder in a in a in a really good way um, that maybe I've never heard it even spoken before. But um, so if you haven't listened to it, you have to check out the archives and uh, definitely worth it. Very good. Sinkabrilradio.com podcasts conferences. It's right there for you, Father John <laughs> Burns. Yeah, thanks, Liz. Cam. Yeah, I'm just um, led to Romans more than anything paul i think really puts it in perspective i'm kind of laughing internally first and foremost that like as a christian you can't have a conversation about hope without having a conversation about suffering (laughs) in the cross right (laughs) um anytime we bring up the topic of hope you uh, almost necessarily have to bring up you're you're gonna die (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Because that's a sober view of reality. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And um, just recognizing that, like how how the Lord and His goodness always draws good out of out of evil things. It's not it's not because He thinks suffering is a good thing, but because He sees that like the result of it already, even though we might not. Romans chapter five, uh, Paul's talking about he he just finished up in in chapter four talking about how Abraham hopes against hope, right? Um, God's gonna make him the father of nations, and he says, "Well, okay." Um, and then Paul's applying it to us. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. But more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. Hmm. And just seeing like that, Paul, how linearly (laughs) he lays it out for us. Like, like this is the whole point of the suffering guys that like when we see the trial pop up, in front of us and we might not know what's on the other side of it whether it's the loss of a loved one or isolation or you know whatever whatever i'm thinking back to covid you know i lost my father-in-law during covid and that was really earth-shaking for for my in-laws and my family and my and especially my wife in a lot of ways and just they didn't see what was on the other side of that but recognizing okay lord you have a plan in all of this and, and enduring through that grief and through that sorrow and through that trial, then building that character and not just character individually, but almost like character as a church. Mm-hmm. And that like almost like vaulting them with, with hope, right? And seeing, and seeing, okay, Jim, now you get to be our, our intercessor from up in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and never, never suffering for the sake of suffering, but suffering for the sake of of cultivating. Mm. Mm. When you were reading that passage from from Paul Camp, he finishes all that off with hope does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. This hope is a gift. This hope is supernatural hope. Mm. It, it doesn't come from just having the power of positive thinking. Right. right? It, and it's it's a it's a supernatural ga- grace. Now, the other thing, when you were sharing your story, you know, um, that your family suffered, you know, this, the, the loss your family suffered, hope doesn't necessarily, it's not a feeling. Grace, you can't feel grace. It's operative, you know, in your soul. And ho- Christian hope isn't necessarily going to take away negative feelings, right? Or make everything better like magic pixie dust. Mm-hmm. But it's this firm assurance, right? This confidence, this deep sense that, all is well because I have Jesus and he will not disappoint ever no matter what comes well that that Christian worldview is so important it's so critical just not making sense of suffering but going back to the the um, don't don't be conformed to this world correct to what you were saying uh, Perry about um, wishful thinking yeah yeah you know if if we have a distorted worldview then you think prosperity happiness 
peace is just around the corner with an election, with a new house, a new car, you know, the, you know, the right family yep. that all of this will bring happiness and joy. And the Christian worldview is very clear that our hope is in Christ. Yep, exactly. And when you're sharing that story, Cam, anybody who's experienced loss, I think uh, understands what you're talking about, that in those times of loss, the feelings can be overwhelming, right? But as a Christian, there is this almost like a gut check moment, which is, do I really believe what I claim to believe? Namely what you said, that that Mm. Jesus can bring good out of any evil. Mm. And then in that gut check moment, it's, yes, I believe that. I still feel crappy, but I believe that. And then t- and the longest distance sometimes in our lives is be- to travel is between our head and our heart. But I believe it. God, I, ha- I hope in this, and somehow I know God will do it. Right? Um, when I just said, the, um, I had a professor in, in the course of my studies who, who actually said, <laughs> he looked at us and he said, um, as Christians, uh, when the world is crappy, we should be happy. <laughs> and, and, he, and then he went on to explain. He said, because we have the answers to these ills. It is Jesus. And when things around us seem to be collapsing, it's Christ impels us or propels us out to, to say, here, come, follow, seek, come and see. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's an opportunity and I think that's the other thing you know if people tend to be discouraged about the state of the world which there are things to be you know they're mm-hmm. realistically kind of discouraged about it's this is also an opportunity it's an opportunity to, to ask God to to cultivate that hope in our souls so that we can actually go out and maybe welcome people to to Christ yeah, it was um, the Martha and Mary come to mind. Uh, you know, Martha, you're you're anxious about many things, mm-hmm. and I was reading a commentary from Bishop Aaron on that passage with uh, Martha and Mary and uh, choosing the better part. Sometimes it's read as um, the difference between leading an active versus a contemplative life. Bishop Aaron makes the point. It's really a matter of focus. What, what, what are you focused on or are you distracted by many things and the many things, whatever those things are, bring anxiety and fear and having that focus sitting at the foot of Christ at the foot of the cross brings clarity whatever the situation is mm-hmm. so dr perry Cahal, liz christie with us in the cafe this morning we're talking about cultivating hope in a fallen world aquinas says hope is for the further what memory is for the past future future <laughs> future typo <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes. Hope by is Aquinas. for the future, what memory is for the past. That's one of my favorite quotes by Aquinas because I I think it's important to put it not just like, yes, our own testimony of seeing how the Lord has 
worked in our past can cultivate hope in our future too, but not just our testimony, but the testimony of the church, mm-hmm. of the saints, of the martyrs, you know, people who have been in similar similar situations. I was sitting here thinking, listening to the conversation too, and thinking for those in specific situations, like the Lord and his goodness always provides a reference point. So like if for for a person who might be in prison and thinking to themselves, there's there's I, I can't see any hope on the other side of this. Just look at St. Paul, who spent, you know, most of most of his time writing his letters in prison. Um, for those single mothers out there who who might not, you know, know how to navigate the world that way. Well, there's there's saints who've been single mothers and and just like so many moments in the memory of the church where she provides these glimpses at like there there is a way to live this life as a Christian with hope despite any circumstance. Right. Cam, actually that makes me think of in terms of this idea of, of memory and promises because I think sometimes we could sit so much in whatever we're going through that it's so hard to remember the promises and the goodness of the Lord that in those moments, it could be so helpful to think of my God is the God of the universe who made heaven and earth, who who pulled his people out of Egypt and uh, uh, split the sea and brought them into the promised land and think of all the many miracles that he has done. Those are our promises. And if 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 there's a struggle of looking at your life and trying to figure out where he's been good in it just remember who he is and Mm -hmm. and even the promises that he tells us liz your thoughts yeah and you know as you're saying that amanda i i can't help but think one of the one of the really great ways to do that is to come to christ in the eucharist you know we're in this year of eucharistic revival across the country and and just helping people really understand all of that and and just celebrating that in the liturgy, but then also taking time in the solitude of adoration and just sitting before the Lord in silent adoration and just contemplating all of those things, like you're saying, like all the miracles, all the goodness, and and then allowing the Lord to just be present to us and, and we're present to Him and, and just um, the way we can worship the Lord in that way. Um, it's really important. Um, it's 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 good to be silent. It's good to to listen and and allow that and allow the Lord's presence to to be truly with us. And then, you know, the other thing I think of, and then and I may uh, let Perry answer this, but you know, <laughs> again in the suffering and in the death, like back to that. But if we think about the covenants made between God and His people. What's the cost? What's the price to be paid of a broken covenant? It's death. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to pay that price, right? Um, and so when Christ comes, when he suffered and died, he ultimately pays that price for us. So, um, yeah, we, we never... Yes, we have to suffer, but Christ suffered once and for all the greatest degree of suffering, Um and paid that price for us. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested if Perry has additional thoughts on that. Well, 
You set it on the tee. Let's see if I can hit it. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the most powerful aspects of Christianity, in my opinion, is that it takes suffering seriously. You know, most other world religions try to find a way around suffering. Uh, but Christianity is the one world religion who looks at suffering um, and not only takes it seriously, but provides an answer for it. And the answer is not so much a proposition as it is, it's a person. You know, so mm-hmm. that Jesus makes our suffering meaningful. You know, the, the things that we naturally repel against or, or run from as human beings, suffering and death, he transforms them. He doesn't take them away, but he transforms suffering into a mechanism of redemption, right. of salvation, and he turns death into a, a transition into another life. You know, we no longer have to fear them. So, and even if I mean, I was thinking, you know, as Amanda was talking, you know, sometimes people can be in in such intense suffering, you know, spiritual, physical, um, emotional that it's really hard in those moments to consciously unite your suffering to Jesus. It just, you just feel awful. You just, all you're praying for is that, dear Lord, take this away. I cannot, I cannot bear this burden. And, um, but I think we also have the confidence of knowing because the cross tells us this, Jesus has united himself to our suffering. Hmm. You understand what I mean? Yeah. It's like even if we are unable in that moment to suffer redemptively, right? Jesus is there. No, no human suffering is wasted anymore. You know, from from the time of Christ's passion and death, He's embraced all human suffering, and He makes it meaningful. In the great, you know, balancing ledger, you know, and like none of it is lost. It all will work for our for our good, even if we can't in the moment see that. You know, and um, and I know people, you know, maybe people listening now, like there, there is intense suffering. You know, if you experience chronic pain, like, and you can't get away from it, it just seems to overwhelm you. But the Lord is there; He will not let that be lost. It all has meaning. I don't know. Is, is that enough? Hit, is that a good enough strike at the ball, Liz? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thank okay. you. And <laughs> I think too, you know, um, we. We take communion to our homebound um, parishioners and things like that, and um, giving them lists of things to pray for, so that yes, they can yeah. use that suffering and unite it to Christ, and it, it, you know, and and just just helping people understand what redemptive suffering is. You know, many people grew up, and their moms would say, "Offer it up, offer it up." You know, what does that mean? What does that actually mean in the lived out reality? And it's like, you know, as Perry, as you're saying, like, yeah, maybe it's like you're suffering so much that that you're like, yeah. I, I don't know that I can like think about uniting it, but if you, it's one of those things, it's almost like um, mental gymnastics or, you know, you have to train your brain to do that a little bit, but when you do it in advance, you know, when it's like, okay, I'm going to offer my suffering today to the Lord. I'm going to, you know, and then when you're in that moment of suffering where you're feeling very weak and it's like, I can't think of anything else right now except my suffering, but you've already offered it to the Lord. You've already given that. And it's, it reminds you and takes you back. So you, you can unite it at different levels, you know, um, and, and then and you get better at it where it's like, okay, here's a wave of suffering that's coming. Yes, I already promised to unite this to the Lord. I'm, 
I'm going to do that, you know. Um, yeah, so it's a, yeah, something we have to have to kind of grow in, and, and we do get to practice it a lot on any, on any given day, it seems like. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It also makes me think, Liz, of uh, just the opposite side of things as well, because we're 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 talking about like carrying our cross, basically, or carrying our suffering and uniting it to Christ. But there's a there's a separate side of things also in terms of intercession and even um, hmm. saying, Lord, if if it be your will, allow me to carry someone else's cross and, and, mm. and, and, and trusting that he'll only give you uh, what you can handle, right? And then offering that to him for, for the redemption of others as well. One of the greatest scourges, I think, of, of our times is isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think I've mentioned before, the word I've been praying with a lot is reality. And you mentioned this also Perry that um, the supernatural that that just having that um, realization <laughs> uh, that that understanding that we live in a supernatural reality is so fundamental to the Christian worldview that we're never ever alone and I mean the four of us are sitting here Liz at, at home we're in a crowded space you know the holy spirit is with us Mm -hmm. the cloud of witnesses all of our friends in heaven the universal church the souls in purgatory they're all here with us and what a consolation Mm -hmm. just in that reality that yeah there's a battle being fought and we have a great team (laughs) entering into this with us dave i so agree with you and actually that makes me think of something i don't hear talked about often and maybe something i'm still trying to tease out in my own life is i think the lord gave us imagination for many reasons but maybe this being one of them Mm. like maybe in those moments of of suffering or in or being alone in particular and needing someone using the imagination to realize okay mama mary is here with me or christ is here with me um of course we should also take those moments to, liz like you had shared to to also cultivate a, a time of adoration or or being with our eucharistic lord uh, but to also utilize the gift of imagination of of the saints with us of christ with us of of um does that make sense <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean what what a team right, well, you know, right. We're, we're surrounded by the all-stars here and it's not it's not a uh um a a battle um between equals mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and also the, those, look at our ahead. coach we've got a great team and we've got <laughs> the best coach you know mm. so yeah Liz Christie, Perry Gohal, we're talking about cultivating hope in a fallen world. And as we're coming to a close in our time in the cafe, um, maybe we can just talk about some some of our last minute thoughts, but also some practicals of how we can, in our daily lives, begin to cultivate this hope. Any thoughts, Perry? Well, I think, like I said earlier, it's asking for God to increase it in us. 
You know, it is a gift. When we're talking about Christian hope, it's not something that we can generate within ourselves. You know, it's whatever life ha- deals us, that we pray for this, this supernatural virtue, this gift of hope that, that gives me this firm, this desire for heaven, right? and this firm confidence that everything that I need to get there, the Lord will give me. He doesn't go back on his promises. We have everything we need. And to ask Lord, the, Lord, the Lord to cultivate that virtue, increase that gift in our souls, because he's the source of it. Mm-hmm. And then to, to really just sit with and realize that he has won. He has won. I have conquered the world. Be of good cheer. You know, yeah. my, hope, my hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. The, who is all powerful? Nothing can dis- extinguish His love. Nothing. Amanda. Um. Yeah. I. I think. I appreciated Perry what you had shared earlier about doing a gut check. Is do I believe that God can bring good out of evil? And I think that's a beautiful thing to ask ourselves in the midst of of trials. Is do I believe? And if I'm struggling with that, okay, I, w- I want to cultivate that belief. I'm going to play the Psalms card. <laughs> so if words don't come to you, a great place to go to in Scripture um, are the Psalms. Yes. And especially if you want to intercede for those, um, you're going to find words for somebody that doesn't have the words mm-hmm. to to pray them for that person but then whatever you're feeling whatever the emotion is whatever the trial is um you're you're going to have these prayers right in front of you psalm 52 um that i just lost it uh, god will break you down forever he will snatch and tear you from the tent he will uproot you from the land of the living the righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him saying see the man who would not make god his refuge the god who would not make man his refuge so turn to the lord make god your refuge turn to him trust in him and you'll find real and everlasting peace amen amen dr perry cahal liz christie thanks for being with us here in the cafe this morning Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back tomorrow at 8.